morning that you don't know about, but God is good. And it's pretty, been pretty amazing how things have come together. So if you didn't notice, great. If you did, there was stuff going on, all right? So we're clear on that. Uh, I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, I hope that you are as well. We are in uh, week five of our Shaping Scripture series, a series in which we have uh, been looking at the, a variety of different scriptures and how they uh, apply to us and how they shape and mold our lives. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to believe that we are already in August, right? There's only, uh, I hate to tell you this, there's only 143 days until Christmas. So, Anybody thought about that yet, right? Exchanging Christmas lists, all this stuff. It's coming, right? Kids are going back to school. It's amazing how quickly the summer has gone. But uh, one of the reasons we are doing this series is because it's important for us as believers to take a look at the Scriptures and and to see how they speak to us and how they mold and how they shape our lives. It it allows us to uh, invest in each other. It allows us to invest in God's Word and and see how the Scriptures can shape and, and mold our lives as I said. So uh, I would like to thank Daniel for speaking last week. Daniel walked us through Isaiah 40, which addressed the nation of Israel in their time of exile. In Isaiah 40, we are reminded that in times of exile, there are some key things to remember, that God is with us in our exile, that God is bigger than our exile, and that God will bring us through the exile, and not just bring us through, but we will soar, and we will run, and we will thrive. And so today, we're in the Psalms, uh, the book of Psalms in chapter 30 that uh, we just read together. Uh, Psalms is a massive collection of writing. If you were to just kind of flip open your Bible, odds are you're going to hit the book of Psalms. There are 150 150 different psalms recorded for us. Uh, Psalm 119 has a healthy 176 verses. So if you want to make your kids read just one chapter, that's the one to make them go to. Or you could go to uh, Psalm 117, which has only two verses. So there's kind of the, the, the yin and the yang of that. Uh, psalms is considered uh, to be the most widely read and treasured books of the Old Testament. It contains an eclectic gathering of poems and hymns and prayers that express a vast array of emotions uh, that the Jewish people experienced throughout their history. Uh, It is divided into five different sections or books, which some would suggest imitate the five different divisions of the Torah. Uh, those five different books there are, are listed on the screen uh, behind me. The Psalms are also written by multiple different authors. Often we think that David wrote all of them, but he didn't. He did compose many of them, but we also have authors like Asap and Korah and Solomon and Ethan, and, and even Moses is credited to writing a Psalm or two. The title Psalm simply means a, a praise, a praise song or a song of praise. Uh, these praises to God were were probably gradually collected over time, and the book just continued to get bigger and bigger, and it seems to add to the, the continual application of why we still study and look at these today, because these, uh, these psalms are pretty important to people. And what makes this book so attractive, at least uh, to me, is the way it communicates this wide range of thoughts and feelings and emotions. If you were to read through the psalms, you would find that they are very real, they are very honest, and they're very transparent uh, to what the, the author is, is going through. Uh, there are psalms of lament, psalms of crying out to God, psalms of praise, psalms of thanksgiving, psalms of celebration. There are what we call wisdom psalms and royal psalms and victory psalms and law psalms. There are what we call imprecatory psalms, and if you don't know what these are, these are a load of fun. It, when you read, read them in the Scripture, you often find yourself going, 
wait, is this still the Bible or did I get into something else? Because these imprecatory psalms, they, they are calling for judgment and calamity and curses or worse on their enemies or on the perceived enemies of God. It is the ultimate prayer, God, I want you to get them. And if you've ever prayed that prayer, God, would you just get them? You're not alone. Those are in the scriptures for us. And it just speaks to the real and genuine way the Psalms speak. Uh, The Psalms have an amazing way of expressing, at times, what we have trouble expressing. It's been said that while all of scripture speaks to us, the Psalms speak for us. And I think that's really good. The overall intent of the Psalms is to express worship to God. It's, it's to praise Him for who He is and, and what He has done and what He's promised to do. And it's a reminder of His love and His faithfulness and His grace to help us see God more clearly as a God who loves us and is walking with His people and as we allow His Word to shape our lives. So the Psalms remind us that God is there in times of trouble and that God is there in times of rejoicing as well. That God is there in exile, and he's there when you victoriously return home. It's said that there's a psalm for every occasion and situation in life. And all you have to do is Google psalm when I'm feeling, and you'll come up with one or two. It's pretty amazing how the psalms speak to us and how they help us open our hearts and our minds to what God wants us to hear. And so today we land in the Psalm 30. It's found in book one of Psalms. It's credited to David. It's a Psalm that's uh, credited to him in the midst of uh, several other Psalms that have been credited to him. And the focus of Psalm 30 is on God and his greatness and his deliverance. Uh, The title uh, to this song is the dedication for the temple. But the word used there can mean palace or house. And so there's been a lot of debates by people who are a lot smarter than I am as to whether this is a dedication that David had for his own home or for the temple. And I'm like, I I don't care, right? Do you really care? Does it really matter? Because it doesn't really because the message is the same. The overall message is David is crying out to God or praising God and thanking him for the mulligan, thanking him for the do-over, thanking him for the second chance, thanking him for the new beginning. Scottish preacher George Morrison is quoted as saying, the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. And that's a great definition of the psalm. And we see this new beginning take place in four different ways as we look at this psalm. And so if you brought your Bible, I invite you to grab uh, grab it and turn to Psalm 30. Or if you want to grab one of the blue Bibles somewhere close to you, uh, we'll be in Psalm 30. And we're going to kind of walk through it this morning. Uh, Or you can follow along. The the scripture will be on the screen uh, in front of you. Look with me at uh, the first three verses as we see this new beginning coming from death to life. It says this, I will exalt you. Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not, did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. When we read this text, what we find is David is experiencing three different problems. He was sinking into the depths. He was going down into the pit. His enemies were hoping for his destruction and his death. And he was filled with distress to the point of death. And yet, God rescued David from each situation. If you're familiar with David's life, you know that this was not the first time, nor would it be the last time that David experienced God rescuing him. David understood what it was like 
to experience the pain uh, resulting from his own actions of that separation from God. He also knew what it was like to experience that close relationship with God. And here, he is praising God for what has happened. At the dedication of this structure, which would have been a huge deal, either way it would have happened. And so if you can imagine this dedication, how, how many of you have been to a building dedication before? Anybody? A few of you. Have you seen one on TV? You know what I'm talking about? Are we awake? We good, right? So imagine this scene, right? It's a big deal. All this stuff is happening. You have uh, th- this building being opened with a ribbon cutting and food and drink and everything going on. There's probably a really nice gift shop so you can take home your own little memorabilia thing, right? All this stuff is happening, and, and David is saying, today is a great day. Today is a day that we rejoice. We are displaying the strength of the kingdom and the splendor of it all, and all seems good because all is good. But let's, let us not forget, let us not forget that there have been times when life was not so great When I thought I was going to die, David says, when my enemies were waiting with anticipation for my demise, but I was rescued. I called out to God and he healed me. And it's all possible because God brought me from death to life. This new beginning, this is all possible because God is God and he is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And as a result of this new beginning, he moved from death to life and he continues to share how he moved from darkness into light. And that's the second thing that we see. This psalm is not only used by David as this personal expression of his praise and thanksgiving, but it was also intended to be used by the corporate worship of the believers. So in the midst of moving from darkness to light, he says this in verse four, sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. David wanted the people to join him in rejoicing and to join him in praising God for his goodness. And this is not the only time we see David doing this, trying to to influence the corporate worship experience through his personal experience. In Psalm 34, 3, David says, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. The desire to worship the Lord, David was expressing, was flowing out of his personal worship to the Lord. He was saying to the people, let let us come together. Let us be reminded of how important it is that in our individual lives, we are worshiping the Lord so that when we come together, we can worship the Lord together and do so even more beautifully before him. He, He was pointing out how we need to worship God in our lives And that's the challenge as we look at this is is are we worshiping God individually so that when we come together here on a Sunday morning or in our small groups or any other time that we gather together, that we are worshiping the Lord together and it is so much more rich and full and complete because we have spent time individually worshiping the Lord. And and while it's true that, that part of what we do through our corporate worship experience here at PCC is to encourage and to remind and remind each other of God and his glory, it's not limited to just our time here. And that's so important for us to know. We need to worship the Lord as we go through our life so that we can worship the Lord together. Through those times of personal worship of the Lord, that's oftentimes when we understand the next thing that David says. In verse five he says, for his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. David understood this. 
moving from the darkness of God's momentary anger and into the light of a lifetime of favor, moving from the dark night of the soul type of experience to the, to the overwhelming, joyous times of experiencing God's grace is like the rays of the morning, the rays of, of sunlight beating down and, and coming through, offering this new beginning and chasing away the death and the darkness of the night. In our lives, this text gives us hope that we can experience this new beginning, the dawning of a new day after going through a painful time of suffering and darkness. The person who submitted this text focused on verse five and said this, verse five is not only beautiful, but so true. And it is, isn't it? I mean, if we think about that in our life, we can rejoice with the new beginnings that we experience. Lamentations chapter three, verses 22 and 23 tell us that God's compassion is new every morning because God is faithful. We have new beginnings because darkness gives way to light. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. One of the most powerful examples we have of this in scriptures is in the gospels when it talks about the resurrection of Jesus. It tells us that on the morning of that first day of the week, the darkness gave way to light. Jesus told his disciples that this would happen. In John chapter 16, Jesus said, very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. This idea of hope and trusting in the promise of God seems to be one that occurs not only throughout the scriptures, but it seems to be something that's very significant to this body of believers here at PCC. Each week in this series, and this is week five, we've, we've seen this reminder of hope. And as we read through the scriptures that you submitted, every one of them had this, this thought of hope and how the stories that we heard were telling us how they're clinging on to that hope that God is going to see them through, that he's going to bring lightness out of the darkness. And because of that, we have hope. We are encouraged to experience his joy, the joy of Christ. And and even if that seems impossible today, we're called to trust in his promise that he is faithful and that we can trust in him. Because when we focus in on him, we experience that new beginning, a, a new beginning of moving from one to the other, of moving from not only from death to life and from darkness to light, but also from pride to humility. Look at verse six. It says this, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. There were times, again, if you're familiar with David's life, that he was very confident in himself. And when he became very confident in himself, what happened? It didn't go so well for David. That's the spoiler alert, right? He became full of pride. And because of his struggle and his struggles with pride, there were multiple times that we have recorded for us in scripture that he went through a difficult and troublesome time in his life. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful that in my life, pride is never an issue. It's really heart, right? Anybody relate to David at this point? I'd, I'd have more patience if God would hurry up. I'd be less prideful if I weren't so good, right? That's kind of the way we look at ourselves often. We, we struggle with pride, and therefore we struggle with humility. 
And yet David is wise enough to acknowledge that his security really was from God. Look at verse seven. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm, but when you hid your face, what's it say? I was dismayed. I don't know if you've ever felt dismayed, but I have to tell you, it's really difficult to be filled with pride when you acknowledge that it's because of someone else that you experience security. When you acknowledge that it's because of someone else that you have hope. When you acknowledge that it's because of someone else that you have life. David, in his praise to God, he recognized that on his own, left to his own devices, trusting in himself, he is dismayed, but there's confidence in the Lord. And the same should be true for us as well. We, can call, we are called to humbly acknowledge that it's not because of us, but it is because of God that we can have confidence in him and not in our own ability and not in what we know and not in who we are, but in who he is through us. There's one more new beginning that I want to point out from this psalm, and it's the movement from weeping to joy. We see this in verses 11 and 12. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. If you read through this psalm, you see that seven different times David writes about what God has done, and he's rejoicing in what God has done. David moves from weeping over the sin in his life to experiencing the joy of forgiveness and grace. He takes off the sackcloth of sadness and puts on these garments of gladness. Now, that doesn't mean a lot to us today. That, that whole image, we don't really practice. What we do is we wear black to funerals, right? That's kind of our version of this. What we know from Scripture is uh, when you experienced a dramatic altercation of one's life, when you received bad news or things weren't going well, uh, it was marked by a change of clothing. From joy to sadness, there was uh, this idea that when you would receive the, the awful news, oftentimes people would rip their clothes, Right? And it was to signify this is terrible. So they'd rip their clothes and then they would replace their clothes with sackcloth. Imagine a, a gunny sack. Uh, does that, everybody know what a gunny sack is? I just thought about that as I said that. So that's a farm term, sorry. Um, a burlap sack, a coffee bag. Everybody, the big coffee, everybody with me now? Okay, so not real comfortable, itchy. Bleh. But the idea is you put that on and then you cover your head and your body with ashes. And it's to signify that you are weeping, that you are mourning, that things are not good. And here we see that sackcloth, right, the, the Berber, the, not Berber, the, the burlap sack being replaced with clothes of joy, of your finest, of, of celebration. And as a result, David praises God and he looks forward to praising God forever. It points toward the fact that we have an opportunity to praise God for a lifetime because of his grace and that lifetime of grace that blends into lifetime eternal with him. And one of the beautiful things about this psalm is I love the way it doesn't deny the struggles that David experienced. It doesn't deny the pain or the depths of the despair or even the distance that he felt from God. Instead of ignoring these realities or pretending like, oh, it's not as bad as it may seem, it acknowledges how difficult these situations are and how he believes that the Lord, through his grace and his love, that the Lord's going to see him through because the Lord has seen him through and the Lord will continue to see him through these difficult seasons of life. Now, I don't know where each of you are in your season of life right now, but I do know that there's some really mournful times, some weeping times, some times when 
we just had to sit with people and just feel like we're putting on the sackcloth and ashes because life is just not good. That's happened recently. It's happened in the past. And I know in my own mind, and I've talked to other people that have kind of expressed this idea that it sure would be nice if we could avoid those down and tough and difficult times, right? And when we're in them, that's what we want. We want more than anything to be out of them. And yet after we have come through them, and you know this to be true if you've experienced it, while you don't want to do it again, in some ways, in a way that, that only makes sense in Christ, you're thankful for those experiences because they have brought you to where you are and led you into a greater appreciation of the good times. It makes you experience the joy that is that much more joyous because you realize that the joy comes from the Lord and he has brought us through and, and he has sustained us and, and provided for us a way to rejoice and to be refreshed, to realize that he is with us. And that brings us from weeping to joy. It's not clean, it's not easy, it's not cut and dried, we can't put a timetable on it, and yet God brings us through. Psalm chapter 30 is a powerful psalm that, that in so many ways has the ability to speak into our life, lives and to shape and mold our lives. It shows God moving us from where we are to where he desires for us to be, from death to life, from darkness to light from pride to humility, from weeping to joy. The psalm is a great reminder of what Jesus has done for us. It's, it's almost a, a foretelling of Jesus and, and his message. We move from death, a separation from God, into life and life to the full because of his grace and his love. We move from the darkness into the light and his light shines through us, lighting our path, illuminating our steps, guiding us. And we realize that because of what he's done, we no longer need to be proud Instead, we can be humble, and we know that this doesn't lead us to sadness or, or weeping or guilt, but instead, Jesus offers us freedom and joy as we live in him, a, a new life, shining into the darkness, giving him all the glory as we joyfully experience him and as we live in relationship with him. There's a song that we sing at the beginning of our time here this morning titled Marvelous Light. And I just want to remind you of the lyrics to that. It says, sin has lost its power. Death has lost its sting. From the grave you've risen victoriously. Into marvelous light I'm running. Can you picture that? Into marvelous light I'm running. Out of darkness, out of shame. By the cross you are the truth. You are the life. You are the way. We are called out of darkness into life because of what Jesus has done for us. We are called to accept God and to surrender our life to him. And it's because of his grace that we can move into that new beginning from death to life into a life of the full that, that he offers to us into his glorious light, away from the pride and into the humility of rejoicing in his love. And so this morning, it's our privilege to offer and to extend to you his invitation to step out of the darkness and into the light, to step out from death and into his life and a life to the full that he offers to us. And maybe for you, that means you need to accept the Lord for the first time here today. Or, or maybe today is the day that you need to be obedient in baptism or you need to ask for prayer. Or maybe you wanna to commit to joining a body of believers that is striving to help people discover and experience that life-changing love of Christ. We're gonna be led in this time of response. 
And if it's your desire to respond to the Lord uh, by talking to someone, we're going to invite you just to make your way over to the cross where members of the leadership team and prayer team will be there to receive you, to, to welcome you, to pray with you, to encourage you. Uh, let's respond to the Lord. I'm going to invite you to stand uh, with me. Uh, let's sing this song as we respond to the Lord together this morning.